Chapter Forty Five of Order Number Eleven. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. Order Number Eleven by Carolyn Abbott Stanley. Chapter Forty Five. A Day in June. It was a royal day in June. The skies were bluer, the grass more green the very roses fuller and sweeter than they had been for four long years for it was a june of peace the birds were holding a carnival over it and all nature sang in the chorus these four years had been a night of mad delirium but the dawn had come men woke with spent bodies and racked nerves it is true but with vision clearer than it had been for many a day and as the morning brightened a thrill of life began stirring in their veins when the end came with appomattox colonel trevelyan accepted it with stoical philosophy we have fought a good fight he said to dr mayo who was a union man we have kept the faith delivered to us by our fathers but the logic of events is against us and we yield to it there was something in the attitude of the conquered that could not but appeal to the conqueror they had staked all and lost but they did not whine there are few things in history braver or more pathetic than the way in which the southern people took up life again when the war was over they were impoverished and decimated their lands were laid waste their pleasant places destroyed by fire thorns and briars sprang up where the fruitful field had been the fallow ground cried out for the husbandman and the strong man was laid low those that remained were unused to labor and their social structure was in ruins around them but men and women bent their backs to the burden and did not complain it is not strange perhaps that here and there one should see occasional souls who in the midst of the fiery furnace that followed war should still have been unreconstructed it is always easier for the victor to forget than for the vanquished and there were some wounds that need time's healing touch all over the country that june people were taking up the tangled threads of life and trying to straighten them out they seemed hopelessly twisted sometimes on the border the land at least was left and jackson county land with youth and hope is a fortune to any possessor but too often alas youth has gone and hope ah well happily hope is a perennial it goes down before the sharp frosts of winter but its tender leaves rear themselves bravely again when the first sunny days come there always seems to be some warmth where its roots are hidden it seemed to colonel trevelyan when the tidings of beverly's end reached him that youth and hope had been cut down together but by the time this june of peace had come 
he remembered that virginia was left and with the thrilling of life in nature came the throbbing of the old desires for home and the mastery of the earth virginia and her father had sat june first for their return to spy out the land and see what could be done toward building up the waste places they had talked much about it even sally away off in kentucky knew of that date and all it portended she was as eager to get back as they but she must wait a while till ike swamscott could get a start and come on for her the war did not blast quite all hopes those having their roots in hearts that still beat sprang up again colonel trevelyan and virginia stood on the platform of a missouri pacific station a friend's buggy was to convey them to grand prairie and the friend stood urging his hospitality upon them they did not quite have all things in common as in apostolic times but the returning exiles had a helping hand extended from every side a family camping for the night by the roadside in sixty five sent to a neighboring farmhouse one morning for milk the messenger came back with pans of hot biscuits and a generous dish of ham and eggs the housewife had given up her own breakfast and was cheerfully cooking another i have just got back myself was the message she sent and i know how it is the two were in the buggy ready for the start when a young man tall and erect rode up on an iron gray his face was bronzed from exposure but it was a clean face well chiseled they were not eyes that need fall before the most searching gaze they did not now they bent fearlessly upon the young woman in the buggy whose color came and went why it's gordon lay exclaimed colonel trevelyan heartily extending his hand well met my boy well met it is a lucky chance that brings us together here it is lucky indeed for me said gordon shaking hands cordially with both he emphasized the pronoun rather more than the adjective which was only honest seeing that he had been hanging around the station for the last twenty-four hours sally had written him that they would be there on the first but he had decided to take no chances of premature arrival he seemed as much surprised however as they were at the meeting he was going out to the old place he said to look it over and see what could be done with it no in answer to the colonel's question he hardly thought his mother would ever come back the associations were painful and she would be happier he thought with his sister he did not say what he was going to do with the place he rode along by the side of the buggy first on one side and then on the other but he talked almost always to the colonel the garrulity of years is a convenience sometimes and a safeguard the friends bays trotted briskly along the smooth level prairie road colonel trevelyan felt his spirits rising as he looked across the great stretch not even the spectral chimneys outlined here and there against the sky could keep down the joy that rose in his heart at the sight of the old familiar landmarks he was going home and he had been so homesick for his farm it was good to hear the bob whites once more 
gordon he said that's a fine riding horse you have there i've been noticing his gates that isn't the one you were riding the day you saved virginia is it yes sir it's the same one virginia blushed and gordon bent over the horse's neck to pat him he's done me good service sir he carried me all through the war we've seen some hard times together damon and i he fairly stands on his hind heels when he hears a bugle or a drum he's a fine animal repeated the colonel admiringly i hardly know how it would seem to be in the stirrups again would you like to try it sir gordon asked eagerly i'll change with you if you like virginia sat in quiescence her permission to this arrangement had not been asked apparently she was not considered in it when the change was made the colonel rode off briskly the blood coursing in his veins faster than it had done for years it was not running slowly in gordon's veins if heartbeats were any indication he was afraid virginia would see them yes he repeated damon has done me good service in his heart he was thinking and never better than just now his manner put her instantly at ease the old familiar boy and girl footing was established between them without a word he talked to her about her mother her school her life in jefferson sally and the rest of the boys and girls everything except the one thing nearest his heart she said to herself he has forgotten i am so glad and by a strange contrariety of woman nature said it with an inward sob imperceptible to the ears of sense they were talking at last of beverly's death he listened for some word that would tell him she knew of the marriage but none came it was all about brother and the pity of it nothing about brother's wife and the pity of that he did not want to enter upon that story he felt a strong shrinking from it for he knew it would hurt her but they were nearing home now he could not let her drop into that tragedy wholly unprepared virginia he said reining the horses into a walk they had passed colonel trevelyan who had stopped to talk with an acquaintance on the road how much do you know about beverly what have you heard it was painfully abrupt he knew it but he did not know how to soften it she looked at him uncomprehendingly how much do i know she repeated why we don't know anything much of the details mr forey heard mammy tell about his death when she was at the provost's in independence once he said she asked some of them to send us word and he did as soon as he found out where we were but that was not till a long time afterward you know mammy and uncle reuben can't write and there was hardly anybody left that they could get to write for them he was listening intently evidently she did not know why do you ask she asked suddenly verge he said very gently dropping into the old name unconsciously are you strong enough and brave enough to bear up under something i have to tell you she looked at him with dilating eyes what is it tell me quickly beverly was married married brother no he was married to whom to lois chandler lois chandler it seemed to the girl that the blood was leaving even her heart the hand 
clutched her throat frightfully where is lois chandler she asked in the asylum at fulton it is a sad story the night beverly was buried his child was born the mother has been insane ever since beverly's child she raised her hand to her throat and pulled at her collar it did seem as if she would suffocate who took her to the asylum she asked in a tense voice i did there was no one else to do it and i felt that she must have treatment i know it seems almost unjustifiable but this is my warrant for doing it he took beverly's letter from his pocket and put it into her hands she read it through twice why were we not told of this before she asked as she gave it back to him her voice was strained and unnatural he felt that he was being arraigned he folded it up and put it away before he answered when he did his voice was absolutely without trace of emotion i wrote your father about it and enclosed a letter that beverly had left for him it was returned to me a piece of paper that had caught in the wheel went around again and again and again she watched for its revolutions with fascinated eyes that were not consciously looking at it in her brain was throbbing tumultuously the thought this is the man i doubted and deep down in her heart there was running an undercurrent from sally's letter everybody thinks they are i'm sure i don't know virginia he said i hope i have not done wrong to tell you this i felt that you must know it first for your father's sake she looked up at him with a face whose white wretchedness haunted him for days he longed to take her in his arms and comfort her but he did not so much as touch her hand no she said with slow emphasis that he did not fathom then no you have done nothing wrong nothing you have been all that is good and true he raised his hand deprecatingly i could not have done less beverly left her to me and i loved him like a brother they could hear damon's hoofbeats behind them the colonel would soon be there gordon she said hastily where is the child did it live yes mammy has it he is a beautiful boy virginia we will see him in a few minutes he is beverly's image i must tell father she gasped the shock would be too much for him give me the letter he slipped it into her hand and reined up the horses now colonel he said cheerfully if you will change i will ride on ahead and tell mammy you are coming as the colonel was dismounting gordon bent over virginia you've been a brave girl he whispered be brave still the tenderness of his voice thrilled her under the willow gordon finished the story it was hard for the proud-spirited old man to accept it and he a trevelyan he said he died as a trevelyan should sir gordon answered firmly he came to her in an hour of need 
he was faithful unto death mammy was coming across the garden with a white-robed figure in her arms virginia was beside her they had kept the child out of sight purposely until now give him time gordon had said the two women stood beside them without a word colonel trevelyan looked up and started he was so like beverly but he did not reach out his arms he could not bring himself to that yet honey said mammy pointing to the colonel who is dat my danpa lisped the child tell grandpa who you is lil beverly he said stumbling a little over the name but triumphant at last whose little beverly is you honey asked mammy the tears rolling down her cheeks danpa's lil beverly replied the baby with the slow cautious speech of a child learning to talk he had long been tutored for this hour is you here dat mars william gord done give you another child colonel trevelyan sat by his son's grave one hand covering his face which worked convulsively mammy put the child on his feet and he went fearlessly to his grandfather with his baby fingers he pulled at the hand mammy often played with him thus don't sigh he said tugging at the fingers here's little beverly is you my dampa the old man strained him to his breast yes he said brokenly god forgive me yes end of chapter forty five recording by john brandon